All around us seems hopeless and in despair. Our world has been thrown into deep crisis because of the pandemic. And not only that, but now racial unrest tears at the heart of the nation. In city after city after city, the voices of peaceful protesters are drowned out by gangs of criminals who loot, set fire, and murder at night. Is there any possible hope? Coming up, we'll see that God himself says, yes, there is incredible hope. Next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Our current series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times, couldn't be more timely. It seems the world has gone crazy. Hope seems lost in the darkness. But I want to let you know that the living, reigning God pierces the darkness, even this darkness, with real hope. And we'll clearly see what that hope is in this episode. But first, I want to bring some important reminders, things to keep in mind that we've been trying to underscore throughout this series. The first thing is this, that no one and no thing can separate us from God's incredible love. And we read about that in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Let's take a moment right now and look at those powerful verses. Here's what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. My dear friend, what could be more powerful in terms of encouragement than those verses? And remember, we are indeed, we believers, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus himself is the way to overwhelming victory. And that is all based on, upon the great love of God. As it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, today, we look at the reality that we are saved in hope. You know, when we're in the midst of darkness and crisis, it may seem like hope is a million miles away. But God says that the believer 
lives in the realm of real hope. Today, we're going to gain a much clearer view of what this incredible hope is really all about. Now, remember, in this series, we are studying Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39. And a few moments ago, we read the last several verses, but our text for today is Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. And before we read that, let's go to God right now in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are God and Lord of all. And indeed, you are the God of all hope, because you, Father, are good, always good, perfectly good, infinitely good. Father, there is no darkness in you. There is no changeability or variability. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we thank you so much that we live in the realm of your beautiful perfect love and goodness. Father, I pray today that you, by the Holy Spirit, would help us to understand the real hope that we have in you. Help us to understand that although things around us seem to be so dark and so bad, Lord, you are working it all together for a very powerful, good thing and a good outcome. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here are the verses for today. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance." Now, let's start at the very beginning of that passage, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. The Phillips paraphrase has it like this. It is plain to anyone with eyes to see that at the present time, all created life groans in a sort of universal travail. I like the way it puts that. We can plainly see this. And the very first word in that verse is the word for. And it's very significant when we find a verse that begins with that little word for. Why? Remember that a for at the beginning of a verse explains the reason for the prior verse. So what does the prior verse say? Well, let's read it again. We went over this last time. Romans 8.21 says, Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We need to remember that the children of God are already in this liberty. Child of God, you are no longer in bondage. You have been freed from sin 
and the law. Why? Because the Word tells us, and we went over this earlier in our series when we were in Romans 6 and 7, that we died with Christ to sin, and we also, through him, died to the law. That's in Romans 6 and 7. Now, why is that the case? Well, Romans 6, 11 and 7, 4 say so that we could live to God. Another reason is that so that we could enjoy a love relationship with God. That's in Romans 7, 4. And this liberty that we're in is that we should be able to bear fruit to God. You see, this glorious liberty also means so many other things. We are no longer condemned, Romans 8, 1. It means that we have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has already made us free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 2. It says that we have been made by a loving Heavenly Father, children of God. And this liberty means that we have been made, again by God, sons of God. And remember what sonship refers to. It refers not to gender. It refers to being a rightful heir. As a matter of fact, Romans 8, 17 says that we are joint heirs with Christ. And this glorious liberty of the children of God means that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 837. This is the glorious liberty of the sons of God. But you see, the creation at large is not in this same glorious liberty of the children of God. The creation at large is still in bondage to sin and death. And that creation longs for this glorious liberty of the sons of God. That's why it says in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. First of all, it says, for we know. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors. That Greek word for know is ido, which means a knowing that occurs because we can see it. It's I see it, knowledge. And boy, don't we see it. I mean, you don't have to look very far, even as close as the headlines, to see that our world is seriously messed up. And the reason why it's messed up is because man has deliberately turned his back on God and is reaping the whirlwind. There's a lot that's going on unwrong in our world. In fact, generally speaking, things are going wrong. At other times, it becomes more apparent than at others. And we are in one of those times. And it's during these times of uncertainty, when we see everything going wrong, that people want answers. People want to know what's going on. Why is this happening? What does this mean to me? What's going to happen to me and my family? Those are all good and legitimate questions. But the problem is, where are you getting your answers? Whose perspective are you getting? Are you getting God's perspective? Or are you getting man's 
perspective. I'm going to tell you, if you get God's perspective, it's going to lead to powerful peace and an amazing, victorious life. But even Christians get caught up with the mentality and the problem-solving of the world rather than hearkening to the voice of God. This morning, I was awakened at 4 a.m., and immediately I was praying to the Lord about this very episode, and it really didn't seem like the episode was coming together quite. It was as if something important was missing. And the Lord began to just pour out this incredible understanding of his word, even in this current crisis. And here's what he was sharing with me, that the Christian must have a completely different view of what is going wrong with the world than what the world thinks is going wrong. Listening, friend, this is critical. We must never get our information and interpretation of what is going on from the world. Never. Let me use an example that's extremely current at this day. Today's June the 7th, 2020, when I'm recording this. And we are in the midst of one of the greatest times of uh, racial unrest we've seen in modern times. And and I've seen several times. I, I'm old enough to remember the racial unrest of, the, of uh, 1968, very similar dynamic where uh, there were people with very legitimate concerns. There was protests against uh, the racism that was going on systemically. But there was also the bad guys coming out at night, looting and burning and murdering and terrorizing the nation. That back in 1968, I remember in 1992, Um, At the conclusion of the trial of the officers involved with the beating of Rodney King, and they were acquitted, and it just exploded in riots in Los Angeles. I want to use this issue of racism, but I don't want to listen to what the world is saying about it. I want to listen to what God says about it. Racism is the sinful selfishness of man. It's one of many different incidents of the sinful selfishness of man. And at the heart of that is what we saw when we were looking at Romans chapter 1, that man has exchanged the glory of God for an image of created things. That is idolatry. You see, at the heart of every sin, including racism, is this. We substitute the glory of God for an image that we create of the glory of man. In the case of racism, the image is of one's superiority of their own race over another. And by the way, the sin of racism can go both ways. It can be a white person toward a person of color or it could be the other way around. Whenever I think I'm superior over you because of the color of my skin, because of my race, that is racism and that is sin. But that's not the only way that kind of mentality exists. What about the caste system in India, where there are people from the Dalits that are the unmentionable nothings all the way on up to the Brahmin caste. And it's horrible and it's unfair. 
Whenever you have a situation where a person says, I'm better than you, that is sinful idolatry. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There is none of us who are better than anyone else. Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The issue of sin is universal across the human race. And the result of that sinful condition is Romans 1.18, where it says that the wrath of God is revealed against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That is what God sees this thing, and that should be our only perspective on the issue. Oh, dear Christian friend, listen to me. It is essential that we do not get our information and interpretation of that information from the world. If we do that, we will get things totally wrong. We absolutely must rely upon God's holy word, the Bible, for information and interpretation. We must beware of the siren voice of the world that's screeching and yelling and screaming, either seducing us or alarming us. The reason why the world is in so much trouble, not only today, but for thousands of years, is because what has been revealed right here in the book of Romans, right in your Bible. You know, if you're a doctor and you make a wrong diagnosis of the problem, you will issue the wrong treatment and you will hurt the patient. If we make a wrong diagnosis of the world's problems, then we will not provide the world with the right cure. And the problem can be seen. Remember what we talked about last time in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, that the whole creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. The world looks at the pain. The world looks at the frustration and the futility and sees despair. And it would be hopeless if there was no God. But there is God, and there is hope. There's pain in the now, but we are not headed to gloom and doom. We are headed, believer, to a real hope. God is in our today, and he is certainly in our tomorrow. And I want to issue a warning once again. I've said this several times in this series, and I'm becoming more passionate about this. The news media and the cultural elitists capitalize on instilling fear in people. They do this to drive a godless agenda. And that plays right into the devil's hand. You see, it's only the devil who works in fear. And the devil's agenda is always evil, pushing us away from God. By contrast, God deals in hope. Why? Because God is good. Oh, remember that, friend. God is good.
And this passage here in Romans chapter 8 says that the whole creation is groaning and labors with birth pangs together until now. One commentator reminds us that the creation is not undergoing death pangs, but birth pangs. This pain is headed towards something good. And you know, when I think of birth pangs, I can't help but to think of what I witnessed when I was there at the birth of each of my three sons. And I remember that process of labor and delivery. At first, in the process of labor, the contractions, or pangs as they're called here, were few and far between. They weren't that bad. But as the birth process advanced, they became more frequent and more intense. That's the picture right here. The whole creation is groaning and laboring. The pains that we are seeing, even in the midst of what the world is going through right now, with the dangers of a worldwide pandemic, with the anxiety and fear for the future, and the racial tensions and the civil unrest, the Lord tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that this is just the beginning of birth pangs. I want you to understand that God's purposes on the earth are succeeding. All things are irrevocably headed to the consummation of the ages and the glorious return of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to let you know that he rules. The media does not rule. The president of the United States does not rule. The leader of another country does not rule. Communism does not rule. Sickness and disease does not rule. Wars and conflicts do not rule. Satan does not rule. God is the one who always rules, and he reigns over all. Verse 23 says this, Romans 8, 23. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. You know, we hear that word adoption so much in Romans chapter 8. This is God in love making us not only his children, but setting us forth as sons, as rightful heirs. And we discussed that in depth in the previous episode. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to download it and give it a listen. It says here that we have the first fruits of the Spirit. This refers to all believers. And first fruits means that which is set aside and offered first to the Lord. God never gets leftovers. I was reading at a very helpful website, Precept Austin, they said this, that first fruits was the actual beginning, the first installment of the Palestinian harvest. The presence of the Spirit in the believers is thus the actual beginning of the future world. Let me say that again in reference to the first fruits of the Spirit. We have received the first fruits of the Spirit that the presence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in believers is thus the actual beginning of the future world. We 
as born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, unlike the unbeliever who doesn't. Our supernatural life in the Spirit right now and lasting into eternity has already begun. And then it speaks of our redemption. Now, let me just say for a moment the idea of groaning within ourselves. We are in this place, in this world that's sin-filled, that's broken, and it has an impact upon us. And as a believer, we have, even in our bodies, something that is not going to last, is temporal, just like this world is temporal and will pass away. And so the believer, more than anyone else, has the sense, even though of the temporal, we have the eternal spirit inside of us dwelling within us. We have that foretaste of the world to come. We know what's coming deep down inside. And so with this first fruits of the spirit, Yes, there's the groaning within ourselves because of this condition of, of corruption and temporar, uh, temporariness that we see in the world. But it also says that we eagerly wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We've been adopted, but there is a future adoption which will be completed. Now, this talks about the redemption of our bodies, and you might be a little confused. Wait a minute. I I thought I was redeemed already. Redemption, biblically, has three tenses, past tense, present tense, and future tense aspects. First, the past redemption means that we have already been redeemed from sin, self, and Satan, and we belong to God. And that also has an impact on our present redemption. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, for you were bought at a price, that's redemption, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's our now experience of redemption. And then there is this future redemption that we see here in Romans 8.23, the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, this idea of the redemption of our bodies, we can see more about this in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 42. And if you can turn to that passage, it would be very helpful. Um, In the early church, there was uh, such a concern about um, what was to come. And the, uh, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, brought great encouragement about what is yet to come relative to our body. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 42, says this, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and by the way, that's the one that we're in right now, and there is a spiritual body. Dropping down to verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, 
I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Again, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 46. You see, we have a glorious hope for our future. And that's not because of us, but because of all that God has accomplished for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's drop down to Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, and we'll wrap up things in today's episode. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. First, in verse 24, it says that we are saved in this hope. Think about it. God took you and me from the horrible condition of being sinning rebels against him, committing idolatry, exchanging the glory of God for an image. He took us from that and from being under the wrath of God, Romans 1.18, to being justified through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, to being those who are given entrance into this grace in which we now stand, Romans chapter 5. We have certainly been saved into hope. That's also in Romans chapter 5. And listen, this hope is not based on how good or clever we are. It is based upon the infinite goodness and wisdom of God in this great salvation. Hallelujah. But here in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, it says, But hope that is seen is not hope. And maybe that's something you're reacting to. You're hearing these powerful, amazing things from the Word of God, and your spirit is encouraged, but you look outwardly. You look at the world. You even look at yourself, and you say, Wait a minute, I don't see this. We are not yet in our new redeemed spiritual bodies where we will be able to see all. Right now we live in this veil of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 13.12 says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly. You see, what does a mirror do? A mirror lets you see yourself, right? But right now we're looking in a dim mirror. And it's hard for us to understand the reality of who we really are as the redeemed, born-again children of God that we really are. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am also known. 
You see, we cannot see in the natural what is yet to come. But I want to tell you, it is coming. God has set in motion all things for his pleasure and glory. And this hope is the final redemption of our corruptible earth bodies transformed into glorious spiritual bodies that can see and live forever when all things will be made right. I I can't help but to think of the Revelation chapters 21 and 22 about that which is to come. My dear friend, I want to circle back to what I said at the beginning. Stop listening to the world. Stop listening to the newscasts. Stop listening to the siren song of seduction and alarm from the world. Listen to the Word of God. I remember years ago, I worked in Christian radio, and we played a Christian song that said, we win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book and we win. It's true. How can any Christian ever not have hope who isn't aware of what it says at the end of the book, the Bible? Let's read it right now. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 22. And this is John the Revelator getting a vision of things. And this is what he says. But I saw no temple in it. He is speaking of the new Jerusalem. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22, beginning in verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Oh, boy, isn't that good? And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. That's in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 22 through Revelation 22 through verse 5. You know, as I was reading about that, I I was thinking of what it said earlier in Romans chapter 8, that we have the first fruits of the Spirit and the idea that that fruit is like the taste of things to come. 
Only the believer has the stirring in their heart. As I was reading those words, believer, didn't that touch your heart? It sure touched mine. That's because we have the first fruits of the Spirit living inside of us. That Spirit, as we learned about earlier in Romans chapter 8, that's not a Spirit that brings us to bondage again to fear, but the Spirit who cries out, Abba, like a little child, Father, as the mature, rightful heir and son. Believer, this is hope. My dear friend, it is so important for us not to get caught up in the claptrap of the world. I don't care if it's conservative or liberal or whatever name you use. I don't want to be conservative. I don't want to be liberal. I don't want to be woke. I don't want to be anything else. I want to be a Christian. And I want the Bible to be my guiding light in my life. How about you? My dear friend, that's my passion. That's why this podcast exists. The Daily in Christ podcast. It's my burden and my passion for three things. First, that you and I would know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. Second, that we would know the reality and the power of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And third, that we would know the wonderful blessing and privilege of being in Christ. Thank you, dear friends, so much for listening to this episode and to this series. I'm really looking forward to what's coming in the upcoming episodes in our current series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that you are good. You are good. You are good. Unchangeable, unshadowed, unvaried. As it says in uh, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of change. Father, take the truth of the word that you've ministered to us today, and by the Holy Spirit, illuminated, bring revelation, stir hope. Lord, may we be agents of the kingdom of God, advancing the gospel and the truth and the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear friend, don't forget, it's important to share about the Daily in Christ podcast. Let people know about it. Let them know about our website, dailyinchrist.org. Stop by there, find out more about our ministry and the many resources that we have. That's at dailyinchrist.org. This is Mark Van Oos reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Amen.